Len, what's your opinion of React? <laughs> but seriously, uh, how's your how's your casts going? I actually recorded episode one last night. I just need to edit it, so it should be out this week. Which will I think our recording schedule is like three weeks behind, so uh, that won't be pertinent. It'll be news news from last month. Yeah. Well, what is your uh, release schedule going to look like? That's a good question, but I plan on uh, twice a week. Because you're charging money for it, you kind of have to be consistent. Right. Right. Uh, I was like putting. Like I was procrastinating recording the first episode. I think I wanted to do like intro to React, and I think that's like this the scope of that topic kind of scared me a little bit. And I also don't think it really fit the service. Like if you're gonna do like keeping up with React news week week to week, you probably have the intros down. Yeah, I did episode one on this project called uh, Universal Redux, which I like because it's like a bundle of all the like cutting edge, most popular React tools. So you don't have to do bike shedding. It's just like you install this app. You basically clone the example app for the best way to get started. And then you have everything set up. You're ready to go. You're writing ES6 with Redux and Redux DevTools and Redux Router. Uh, it's a pretty cool stack, actually. Can you remind me, is this like a side project you started? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my, my whole goal was like two months ago, I hated React and I knew smart people liked it. So I figured I wanted to dive deeper, dive deeper in and, and see what uh, I wasn't understanding. So I started just learning it and I started building like a screencast site in React to like get my feet wet. So it's a screencast site in React about React? Yep. Huh? Are you going to talk about some of those things that you didn't like and how you sort of understood them? Or are you just going to say so you like React now and cover React? No, I still I still love hate React. <laughs> uh, I hate a lot of the bike shedding that goes on. Uh, I was trying to find this post. Uh, somebody did this post about, like, have you all heard the controversy about JavaScript fatigue? And do any of you have an opinion on it? Well, I have lots of opinions on that. <laughs> you mean just the, like, there are too many frameworks? Is that what you mean by JavaScript fatigue? Too many frameworks. Too, yeah, too many even just build tools. Like You know, I actually, I like... I like the way you framed it as using the term bike shedding like that. I think that would be something that's easier to form an opinion about. Like when when people will start to have lots of opinions about things that like that are very easy to, you know, such as a build system <laughs> to to be like, you know what, this is good enough for now. <laughs> yeah, we don't have I think to the- use the biggest. We don't have to use the best build system or the industry, you know. I, I think that is getting kind of silly where like someone was asking me about unit testing the other day and I I realized in JavaScript there's kind of this thing of like, well, here's like, you know, the community standard way of doing it, but that changes all the time. And, you know, if you're just trying to like have a build system or have tests, like you just want something that works and is going to be around in some form for a little bit longer. Like it doesn't have to be like the most elegant thing that has ever been designed. Right. Yeah, I think it's like a as a JavaScript outsider, like just seeing that kind of thrashing around different frameworks and build tools just makes me want to use Ember more if I ever do do anything in the front end. Because they seem very opinionated and, and less prone to breaking changes. Do you think that's uh, it's just because things are getting traction now and eventually it will stabilize? I mean, has and it all... ever been stable for I the mean, past, yeah, that's like, the thing. I years? think people have thought that for a while. Like, oh, it, it, people have said, you know, it's just like Ruby or whatever. It'll stabilize and there will be a clear winner. But, I mean, there might not be. We're talking about the, you know, the most popular language in the world. So, like, there's just a lot of people doing it. 
Right. And people doing it from other languages that have their own greatly different ideas and how software should be made. So you've got Microsoft and Java and Clojure people and Ruby people writing the same language client side. I guess that's a good point. Like there is a lot of um, fragmentation in the server side community because there's so many languages, but on the front end, you only have one language and then all the fragmentation is in that one language. (laughs) Somebody wrote this article that I could not agree less with for the most part. Uh, Ooh, do talk. tell, Len. <laughs> Overcoming intuition in programming? I mean, what? it makes... Uh, I pasted it in the Zencaster room. Okay. I skimmed it, but I didn't read it. I haven't checked it out yet. Tell, can you tell us about it, Len? I mean, they make the point, uh, and I saw a lot of people who think that the so JavaScript fatigue argument is kind of overblown, and they're making the case that uh, these frameworks that are too intuitive, like... And at some point, they're right. Like, I think modern Rails, like, there's really not that much programming oh, anymore. Maybe I have read this. This is like the standard, like, if you use a framework and you don't understand all the things, then you can't program. Right. That's not, that's, that's programmer than thou bullshit. I'm not about it. Right. No one gets to decide who is and who is not programmer enough. Like, that is, this is actually, it's kind of related. I actually only, I only pitched one talk so far in 2016, and I don't think I got in, but. Um, cause I wanted to write a talk about the myth of the full stack developer, but just like in general that there's like all this, all this dev like devier than thou crap that, <laughs> you know, if you don't know, you know, this, then you aren't actually a developer and whatever, but who, who makes the person, like, who's the person to decide that? Like no one. So everyone can shut the hell up and let people do their thing and not be judgmental of other people's actions. I think that's just one of those things that. The people are Come, terrible. What comes with the, <laughs> the uh, developer community? It's like when when you leave a project, it's guaranteed that the next person is going to say, "Oh, that code is so terrible." Yeah, it's mm. something you have to ignore. But I hear what you're saying. Well, I think they're also more likely to say that if they're making all of their own choices. Like the one thing I do love about Rails is that every time I hop on a Rails project, I know where everything is. Like everyone writes their app the same way, more or less, puts the same things in the same places. As opposed to, yeah. You're a big fan of convention. Yeah. Me too. A a new big JavaScript project, you're going to spend a day or more like just getting acclimated and figuring out where everything is. You know something I'd say more than that? Like I am a fan of convention, but I'm also more a big fan of things that are written by multiple people. I'm kind of, I'm forming an opinion about this that like you can tell things that are written by one person and like kind of a pro pair programming thing argument there, but also just in general, like a project that like, you know, hasn't been handed to one person for three months at a time without another person working on it and talking through it. Like, I feel like once you go from one brain to two brains, a lot of things have to be clarified and hopefully documentation and testing and all that stuff gets a lot better or existent at least. I feel like whenever I see projects without tests, a decent amount of time, they are lone developer projects. Like I guess got invited to a an org that the project that they have, one of the issues is write tests because they have no tests. I think what you're saying is true though. I used to work somewhere and uh, we had the same, like that was one of our like selling points. Was like, oh, that you got never... to be alone? Or, no, or no, no, that you, you shouldn't have a, a project with one developer because it will just become that developer's project. Like, it was a, I mean, I've, it was a I've been on teams. A I've been on teams where like you have a project with three developers, but one developer just kind of like <laughs> does everything and kind of like takes control of everything. Um, 
that doesn't make your point invalid, but you both are laughing. I would say that? I would say that's project? bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I think everybody's been on that project. I haven't been on that project. Been on that project over and over again. <laughs> every every project is that project. I saw a uh, get get repo over break from a TJ Holloway Chuck. Um, I think it's famous for like NPM or something. Uh, <laughs> he wrote like half the, you know, the modules in existence. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he has a repo called front end boilerplate. And the GitHub description is Webpack, React, Redux, Babel, Auto Prefixer, HMR, Post CSS, CSS, Modules, Rucksack, Dash, Boilerplate. And then in the readme, it says a boilerplate of things that mostly shouldn't exist. I actually got convinced about Post CSS. Yeah, although post- I think there's like 20 different frameworks. What's post CSS? Uh, so React people don't like writing actual CSS anymore. So they write it in JavaScript. <laughs> uh, yep, that's gross. That's r- ridiculous. And there are like 20 different frameworks to make this happen. <laughs> it's six in the morning here, and I don't think I can like, I don't know. I saw like one video on it, and it convinced me. And I don't think I can like articulate all their points. Uh, but a lot of it is like, can I vertical align? Yes. Oh my god, I'm sold. <laughs> so yeah, basically. The, the hot thing in React is to use inline styles instead of CSS. Because one of the things that CSS did, right, it gave you kind of like modularity, but people are doing that in JavaScript. So like you can actually just like merge defaults and kind of inject the styles. And I know I'm not going to make the, be able to make the case for that at this point. And I've never done it in production, so I don't really want to claim it. But I'll, uh, I'll throw a link into this video uh, and yeah, make up your own opinion. <laughs> But it did. It was a compelling argument. Is it GitHub.com post CSS post CSS? Uh, I think there's yes. like yes. Okay. <laughs> but there's a lot of other frameworks that do the same thing, where you write you write your styles in JavaScript uh, and kind of compose them with the power of JavaScript, and then actually just insert them into your React components. Interesting. This may all be going in the right direction, but I wonder. Maybe there's like a better way we should be doing things. And you can get there by like iteratively changing things we already have, like CSS preprocessors and then like using JavaScript and whatever. And then there's like a, you can make a big jump where you just like throw out everything that you use right now and try something new, which I feel like Meteor was trying to do. People, I know people use Meteor and it, it seems kind of like magical to me because I haven't really used it, but um, I don't know. I'm just kind of blabbering, but from the outside, this all seems like a mess. I think it's definitely still a mess. <laughs> We use Ember at work. It's pretty good. I definitely I think I like seem happy. the me- yeah. I'm more at this point still more ideologically aligned with Ember, but it doesn't seem to be gaining traction. I even see people like emitting it from like the list of popular JavaScript frameworks. Leaving what out? Ember. Oh, that's odd. One of the talks at CodeMash was like uh, Angular versus Knockout versus React. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> hmm. Well, but CodeMash is. Uh, like more C sharpy, right? A bit, yeah. So, and C sharp people, I feel like most of the people who use Knockout tend to be Microsoft Stack. Right, it's true. So, they might have just skipped the whole Ember game. But there were actually more Ember talks last year than this year, which is upsetting. Spring people love Angular, and there's oh Java Spring. Yeah, Java people love Angular. Yep. Oh, it seems like a lot of the Java folks have who have switched to front end or started doing front-end programming has uh, done it through Angular. I guess that's my experience at work. So you, how was CodeMash, Len? Or is, is CodeMash right? Yeah, uh, it was exhausting. I got there Monday and was didn't leave till Saturday. <laughs> is it 
Is that the one that's in a water park of some kind? Yeah, it's in the Kalahari in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. It's near Cedar Point, actually. Uh, it's this huge, huge conference center slash hotel slash indoor water park. And generally, you don't leave for like three to four days. So you don't actually go outside? No. Although this year it was actually warm enough. It was freakishly warm uh, that I would actually go outside just to go from one end of the hotel to the other and actually see some sunlight. There was a lot of good talks. And I never know what the like actual game-changing thing that I saw was. Like I know like six years ago, uh, I was in a session where I learned Ruby from Jim Wyrick, and I had no idea that that would like change my career for the next like six years. Nice. Do you remember your reaction to Ruby at that point? Yeah, I went in thinking it like... Oh, this this talks some BS. I don't want to care about this language. It's terrible. And I started warming up in the middle and uh, fell in love by the end. And he was doing the the Cohens and like it was like a guided walkthrough of the the Ruby Cohens. Did you do any of the water parking? No, I uh, substitute the game room for the water park these days. So I, I in news of games, I've learned to play Settlers of Catan. It's nice. a new thing for me. And apparently, yeah. I have friends who play since I. I do need to practice Spanish. They play Settlers of Catan in Spanish sometimes. Oh, nice. that's that's awesome. Um, but then I think that I would just get really good at the words for, you know, like sheep and grain and brick. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'll take it. How do you how do you say uh, two brick for three sheep? Yeah, I don't know yet. I haven't gone to one of their game nights, but we were talking about it. And so I'll, I'll get an invite, hopefully. But Is it against the rules to... Uh... Try to do trade deals with another player in another language. Nobody else can tell what you're talking about. <laughs> probably. Although it's probably easy to, pretty easy to pick up. Although as long as it's on your turn, <laughs> maybe you could do whatever you want. They have life-size Catan at Codemash. It's actually a bit of a workout because you have to keep squatting to pick up the dice and roll them and pick up roads. You didn't have giant dice? Yeah, there were giant dice, but you, so you have oh, to... but they're still I mean, they're like on the only like a foot tall. Yeah. That sounds really fun. But my little sister headbands. Have you guys played that? Headband? It's the no, game where what you, put the, you put the card on your on your forehead and uh, you ask oh. questions and then you have to guess it. There's oh, probably nice. another name for it. Yeah, but. so that's that's like a normal name too. That a normal game. Uh, I forget what it's called though. Yeah, I don't know that it had a name. I've always I played it where you're like a person and so you have to ask questions about yourself. Oh, nice. But it's a, I mean it's a cha- it's a riff on twenty questions. Yeah. But so is that is headbands a a card game or a an app? It's a card game. I'm sure there's an app for it. I think Heads Up is the app for it. Okay. I was surprised that my entire family played it, including me. It was a a hit Christmas present. I played a ton of Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes over break. Oh, is that that bomb game? Yeah, yeah. That game's kind of hard. It's what? kind of hard well if you don't if you don't know where the things are in a manual and you're in an ipad i'm guessing it's the same thing for paper it's hard to find yeah i mean you you kind of i mean there's only like 12 pages maybe so after playing a few games like you kind of just know where they are about Mm. um the hardest part for me is like communicating with the bomb operator or vice versa have any of you all played a space team yes that sounds very similar all yell out we played it at the office yeah yeah, that's, that's a good game, too. So Space Team, everyone has like a little panel of instruments, and then there's instructions that happen on somebody's team. And the instruments are all like made up, science fiction-y sounding complicated terms. 
it'll be like defibrillator, the zoomulator. And like, you have to know that that thing is like on your screen and be listening to everyone shouting things while shouting your own thing or else your, your ship explodes. Yeah. I, I played, um, me and my wife played uh, a couple of years ago and we got to the farthest I ever got was like level nine, I think stage nine. Um, and we were playing at home and I accidentally hit the home button <laughs> and it didn't recover when I reopened the app. They may have changed that recently, but I was pretty bummed. It sounds like it'd be easy with one other person because if they're saying something, it'd be you doing it or do you play with somebody else? Uh, I've played at work before with a bunch of people and yeah, it's easier, I guess, with a partner and then when in a group space partners instead of space team. So if, if we're okay with uh, pivoting topics though, uh, do, I thought we could do our 2015 reflections or maybe like 2016 things we want to do. Yeah. I'll go last since I feel like I've been talking about my 2015 and 2016 all episode already. <laughs> Pam, I saw um, you wrote a big article about your 2015 in review. I did. I, I wrote my 2015 review post and I tried to like sneakily post it. Well, I guess it was earlier for you on a Sunday night, but uh, here it was like 1030. But yeah, I was a busy year. I mean, and honestly, my... My 2016 goal thus far is to just do less things, which is, I don't, well, with the idea that when I do less things and I'll have space to figure out things I want to do, but I feel like I've gotten just too cluttered. I actually have a cat on my vision board because I want to lay around a lot and be really lazy. So we'll see how that goes. Is your vision board a physical thing? Yes. Like in your, in your home office or? Yes, it is. On New Year's, I get together with some of my girlfriends and we make we do brunch and make vision boards. That's really cool. It's it's actually really fantastic. Also, we realized this year when we did it that like there's people who had never who hadn't come before. And we straight up just started making vision boards and never explained to anyone what it like what it is. <laughs> and <laughs> and so like three hours later, I was like, did we ever tell you what this is? And they're like, yeah, we kind of figured it out. But, you know. <laughs> It's kind of like a secret girl club. Like if you like everyone knows how to vision board. Come on. Uh, (laughs) I feel like my friends, if I if I did that, I would get some flack for it. Like why? It's awesome. Like I think I I don't I don't think my friends outside of the uh, tech community are very uh, what's the word? Not entrepreneurial, but uh, goal oriented. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You, they aren't like goal setters or reflectors. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, it's New Year. <laughs> like, work, okay, go, <laughs> gotta work every day. Yeah, I guess it's true. I have a lot of my friends are also athletes and stuff like that, and it's kind of natural if you're an athlete to be a kind of goal setting kind of person. Oh, that's cool. Like, I'm gonna do, you know, a half marathon or an Ironman or what have you. Like it. It kind of comes into that. Oh, nice. One day I'll be that person. <laughs> Do you want to be that person, Javon? You could You could make a vision board. I, I, I'm thinking about making a vision board now. Javon, you want to come over and make a vision board with me? Oh, I definitely will. You totally, you totally should do that. Honestly, one of the hardest things is finding finding magazines. So finding people who have saved magazines, because I'm not a magazine saver. So you like so. clip them and put them on the board? Yeah, I'm a fan of the physical ones. I mean, technically, like Pinterest, like some people use Pinterest as their vision board. So you can you can even like search people's vision boards on Pinterest and just like see what other people have done. Um, but I I really like the physical one and like cutting things out and placing them and stuff like that. 
I use Pinterest a lot for like inspiration for like wood projects or other things. Um, I, I never really use it. I don't know. I I got out of that. I got out of the checking habit and just don't use it. I don't I check it. it. It's kind of uh, like go ahead. Home decoration or home organizing. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I need to. I'm updating this bathroom. Like, what do I need? Yeah. What, what can well, I? Yeah, what can you I have look a house. at this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pam, if you buy a drill, you will have the same problem. <laughs> you can't do something. You wanna, use it. Yeah, you, you you have to do something with it. So you're just. Like, Jervon, do you did you buy yourself a drill? I did acquire a drill recently. Yes. Actually, Jervon- yeah. This is good to know because I so I actually want to um I want to grow some I want to set up a hydroponic garden like to grow indoor plants after mm-hmm. I, you all. N- I told you all about when my heart broke because some asshole stole my plants off my stoop. Yeah. So I want to like, like, and, and like, if you set up a hydroponic garden, you can actually grow like real, like I could grow like kale, which is like a really nice plant because it, you know, continually renews. So like you grab leaves off the kale and then like a week later you can, you know, have a whole nother kale dish. Does kale take up Uh, a lot of room though to grow? Like I feel like herbs, like you're just getting flavor, but kale, you actually want like a lot of substance. Yeah, I think a, a decent amount of space, but I found some pretty interesting low lower cost um, like DIY hydroponic stuff that seems like it would be. I don't know about kale. I mean, I'd definitely start with just you know like basil and parsley and stuff like that. So what do you and, what do you plan to do? Like build one out of wood? No. So it's you. The tutorial I found you. It's like under fifty dollars. You buy like one of those plastic tubs like that you would use for storage. Mm-hmm. And then you use the base of that to be your um, like your nutrient tank. And then you cut holes in the lid and create some, you know, like baskets that sit in the lid. I'll, I'll send you the tutorial. Oh, that's cool. Um, you'll probably you'll probably finish it before I do because I don't think I'm going to start it until like March. But because I don't want to make it and then leave it and expect Mike to take care of it while I'm in Argentina. If you ever need any custom wood projects, I I acquired some 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 tools over over break. Really? I got, I, okay. I got a I got a miter saw for Christmas so I can cut like long boards at angles and, and, and flat. And then I also got a table saw so I can cut up plywood and other things. So I'm planning to build a lot of um the end end goal is uh cabinets for our mud room, but I'm gonna start small oh, wow. with, with with a mail sorter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are there any shared like maker spaces for like woodworking in Philly? I think there are. I don't think there are. In I mean, my area. you can at you. There's woodworking at Nextfab, and um, I think Sculpture Gym probably has some wood, but I know they have metal. That place that closed down uh, that the JavaScript uh, conference is at had a woodworking workshop. I forget the name of it. Oh, uh, Impact Hub. Impact Hub, yeah. yeah. They had a, a woodworking. Yeah, because before, well, I think that was because they had they had a Nextfab location inside there. Uh, yeah, it seems really convenient to be able to share your woodworking tools because even if you do it fairly regularly, like how much of your week are you actually going to be woodworking to like have all that stuff in your house? Yeah, I know the problem. I mean, Justin has like a million rooms, but yeah. <laughs> well, the, so if you go to shared space, you still need storage, and that's a problem. The previous Uber owner of our tools. house built uh, boats in a workshop, so then we we had this house and it had this like long workshop, so I figured I had to fill it with something. See, and that is that is exactly why I don't have a large space. <laughs> the, the the need to fill a space, I don't want that need. I en- I enjoyed this this space, but did I, he build? Uh, yeah. Do you know what kind of boats he built? Yeah, they were um, 
what are they called? Strip canoes? Like you take these uh, wood strips and then there's this form that you create and then you bend the wood around the form over like a, a long period of time. And then once you have all the wood down, then you like cover it with fiberglass. It looks really nice. Uh, I will figure out the right name so you can Google and look at a lot of pictures. Have you ever seen those really expensive wooden boats that people build and take them to boat shows? Oh, cedar strip canoe. That's what it's called. Are you going to make a boat? Will you make a boat, Justin? Not anytime soon, but maybe in the future. Could you make a skateboard? I think those <laughs> probably, are hard too. I probably could make a skateboard. Could you make a hoverboard? Uh, I actually think skateboards are actually pretty hard. Because so you don't bend be... it like so. And it's pretty thin. Yeah. I feel like I've had, I've definitely had some woodworking projects. So I have a friend who's really into woodworking, but he's always so busy with his own projects. So I might, I, I'll, I'll find some things that I want, Justin, and see oh. if you want to try and learn how to make them. Okay. Sounds good. So Justin, do you have uh, 2016 goals besides woodworking? Not really. I have, I have a lot of goals like at, at work at uh, HashiCorp, um, which I can't talk about, but um, no, I've, I've, I guess my goals are to spend like I, I still want to like get better at programming like Elixir and other things, but I I kind of want to spend more time learning non-programming things. I guess it's my Ooh, goal. like what? Like like woodworking or um I don't know maybe gardening. We we have a lot of like house upkeep stuff to do. Um, yeah, good projecting. Maybe, maybe do like more exercise stuff. Um, yeah, maybe uh, cooking too. I like I like cooking. I've been. Uh, I was making donuts over break and uh, baking bread. Have uh, you gotten Have you gotten vegan donuts yet? I have not. Uh, All right, next assignment, Justin. Vegan donuts. Yeah. I'm trying to learn how to make like I'll call them traditional donuts uh, first, but I, I will try to make a vegan donut and see how it comes out. I don't know that anyone has released a vegan donut book. There's some really because there's I say that because there's some famous like vegan cupcake books that vegan cupcakes take over the world uh, that are really fantastic. And like if you if you, you know, want to make cupcakes, that's like the book you should use. But I don't know what, about donuts. What are the you use flour, sugar, and then you get to replace the shortening with, I guess. I guess you can use vegetable shortening, right? Vegetable shortening. That's not rocket science. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so what, it's just well, milk, but right? honestly, well, I mean, soy milk. But like, so the thing, though, about like vegan cooking which i will drop as a topic very shortly because i know that we get to this too easily um but it's um i think that like that's why i like going to vegan cookbooks because i think they're just straight i think they're straight up better because they don't care about replacing it's all through experimentation and you know just finding the thing that makes the best thing Mm -hmm. and not like trying to map one for one because baking is you know very chemistry and science oriented um and so i also appreciate that like these vegan cookbooks are generally based on experimentation of you know trying one thing trying it over and over again and seeing if it actually is the best way to do it and just like going with it like i made biscuits this morning where the way you make them involved applplesauce and like and stirring it a certain way to form clumps to make biscuits and you know what it works so cool. I made monkey bread this morning with Pillsbury biscuits. Huh. What time do you all wake up? Uh, <laughs> depends. This morning was seven. I woke up at eight. It took me 20 minutes to make biscuits and gravy. I'm pretty industrious. So it also helps that I was really looking forward to it. Like I was thinking about it and I was super excited that I got to wake up and make biscuits and gravy. Nice. It is. I, I was thinking about it might be one of my favorite foods. I think exciting. Like you sh- so Justin shared a picture of his workshop. Uh, in our back channel and it's amazing i think you should find somewhere to post it online so people can see it just like thanks 
I think it's a really cool workshop. I also love that your that your wood workshop has a cool wood wall. Yeah, that, that like that's is, very uh, like it feels like it feels like a workshop. Like I feel I can <laughs> definitely see what you mean. Like where you would like walk in there and be like, all right, gonna make some <laughs> things, gonna do some stuff. Oh, and then the uh, the tables in the in the center of that wall are uh, my standing desk for for sometimes. I put my oh laptop. Gosh, fun. Put my laptop on the right, top so shelf, you could, like, and then the keyboard and trackpad on the bottom shelf. Oh, nice. That's also nice for having somewhere so you can. Like I have the, the thing of where you need somewhere to put directions when you're working on something. Oh yeah. So that's kind of nice. That's like half the size of my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Suburbs. Right. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so Javon, how about your retro? Are we doing a retro or a future? I mean both. That... It's kind of a mixture, right? It's like what would you your like thoughts to about say last year flowing into your, your retrospective new year. of 2016 was in 12 months. Mm, don't you, but you don't take 12 months to say it <laughs> uh, let's see work on my programming skills you know level up i think i want to <clears throat> become a better lisp programmer closure uh, sorry uh closure and other lisp uh racket so i browsing the racket book and <laughs> that guy is the creator of racket's pretty smart um, so i'll dig into that more but that's later on in the year um, speak at more conferences. Speaking at one in February, that's pretty awesome. Where at? Uh, remote closure. Oh, was nice. Outside closure comes. Um, and be healthier. I think eat less and get some exercise. It. You bike every day, right? I do, but not like really for actually for, for transportation. <laughs> yeah, that's still some exercise. In the summer, I was biking a lot more. Um, I was thinking about buying a a bike trainer, but they're really expensive, so I'm not sure what to do there. Oh, so for those, it's good. So you're talking about a trainer to put your like yeah, your actual bike on? Yeah. Set up a Craigslist alert. Oh. So that's honestly one of your better bets is to buy it off Craigslist rather than buy it new. It's a good and idea. like, I, so I, I've thought about getting a trainer but haven't gotten it. Um, but like, but that's also because I think we talked about this before. I think I tried to peer pressure you into go to spinning because like instead of training at home, I just go to spin class and then they have the machines there. Yeah, I used to get a spin class, but it's one of those things where it's a hurdle to just go somewhere and do something, whereas I can just do it in my apartment. Yeah, but if it's a if you're not motivated enough to get out, you're probably not going to be motivated enough to do it in your house. That I know exactly. at least that's the way for me. That's like the exact trick of like when you buy like a weight set because you're like, well, you know, I'm just going to lift at home and. Whatever, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've never successfully worked out at home or at the gym. I'm, I'm only, I only do well in group classes. Yeah, I right, used you to can't just do leave it with my sister. Class. Like that's fun when you have someone to work out at home with. But then, yeah, doing it by yourself is like, oh, you know. Tuesday, I guess I'm gonna do Thai boat by myself in my house. No, I'll anyway, start. I'll I would start encourage working you out. to socialize in your exercise. Yes, I think uh, it's also it's also peer pressure, right? You can't just like leave the class. I'll start working out in my gym in my apartment, and I'll get ten minutes in and just be like, "This hurts. This is stupid." Stop. <laughs> the worst. Go Bye. <laughs> yeah. All these are things that I've done before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a good goal. Good for you. Um, but yeah, that's it. So what? So Jermon, what to you would it mean to level up? Like, how would you know that you have leveled up? Um, he wants to reach level thirty nine. Yeah, with <laughs> with the special glitter the certificate. Power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, usually, leveling up means my ability to 
I don't know if this is right, but sort of contribute to conversations. Um, to, so, so you would like, say maybe like to speak intelligently on a topic? Yeah, or confident. Like I just have confidence to talk. The conf- yeah. confidence is a hard goal, though, because you can always be not confident. That is true. Like that so, has that has more to do with an emotional state rather than an actual like I have learned a thing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, more like you know, go into a GitHub issue and do that thing confidently. Or um, if someone is having a conversation, I can say, "Hey, I've checked this out. I'm somewhat aware of it." Um, or doing it at work successfully. Successfully. Yeah. So like if. Uh, there's a new project coming up, being able to use Clojure and pitching it and getting something done with it. It's leveling up. I feel like there are certain stages when learning something is like you can do the tutorial, then you could sort of understand it, and then you could just do solve a problem without looking at things. I mean, you look up documentation and stuff, but that's a long answer. But that's what leveling up is to me. I have thought of ways or tried to think of ways of measuring my... Uh, my learning. Justin and I had this conversation recently where if I'm stre- am I stretching myself too thin? And uh, at some points I think I am, but I think there are phases of expanding yourself and then kind of shrinking what you really want to focus in on. The breadth and depth approach. Yeah. What's leveling up look like for everyone else? I, I ask that because I think for me it's something that I'm thinking about, or at least for a time, letting go of because... I've noticed that it mostly caused for, especially in, I mean, we end up talking about JavaScript a lot on the show and in JavaScript, like it mostly makes me feel bad when I've like missed something, you know, from news from two months ago. And it just makes me feel bad when it actually isn't a reflection on my ability to do things. That's a reflection of my, you know, the time I've spent reading articles from Twitter. So I don't know. It's like the balance of being involved, but not letting it get to me. That's something that I want to work on. So it's yeah. I think there's definitely a pressure in our community to like stay up to date, and that reflects on your in, like smartness. But but it really it really honestly doesn't. And yeah. also, I think too like something I a like mantra I tell myself is the bar is actually low. <laughs> Um, you know, like for the va- like the vast majority of programming that goes on, like and so you know the subset of people who are really really into this, like we don't. I think it's really easy for us to lose uh, context for, like the example in JavaScript is you know, hey, what's the most popular JavaScript framework? It's jQuery. <laughs> jQuery is the most ubiquitous JavaScript quote framework. It's not really JavaScript framework, but it's. It's massively ubiquitous and massively used. And like for ye olde average like person doing a thing on the internet, it is good enough. And that is something that is like a harsh reality. So I, I think for me, I think it's I mean, especially it's it's been nice to hear about Len. Len, you know, you got to retreat into your refining the joy of programming, which is always a good thing to hear about people doing. And just just kind of being a little for myself, trying to be a little less serious about everything and being a bit more interested and curious and then just letting that be its thing. I mean, I'm also, I'm a lot of, more of my curiosity too is now about, um, you know, the internet, how does it even? <laughs> and a lot of those, there's just a vast amount of knowledge related to how the internet even works that I'm learning and working on, which is not even necessarily programming. It's just really fascinating and interesting. 
Yeah, I think I've become okay with not knowing things and just having confidence in myself to say, I can figure this out given enough time and Googling or asking people on my team. I think that's a huge thing someone could realize is you don't have to know everything. Yeah, I think that that's a good summary of it. You will never know everything. That's true. I remember one time I went to a hackathon and I came back and I told someone, I was like, everyone there was so smart. They knew Haskell. <laughs> and the person was like, no, they're just knowledgeable in that area. You, should, you, know, like, you don't have to look at them. Like, you know, They're better than you or they're way smarter than you. They just started it before you. So. Siobhan's so smart, he knows closure. That's how I feel. I've just struggled with it for two years <laughs> or more. Len. Yes. Uh, so I th- think I might probably took up too much of this episode already talking about my uh, 2016 plans. But uh, I think the big takeaway from 2015 is not to wait until you realize you're burned out. Like if you know you're burned out, you've probably waited way too long if it's that obvious. Mm, yeah, that is that's like a corollary to my if you think you should quit, oh, you should yeah. quit speech. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think you're burnt out, you definitely are. <laughs> And then 2016, I, I guess, uh, start doing things that make money before I go bankrupt, my, my goal. And start speaking at conferences again. I don't think I've given a talk <laughs> in like two years. Remind me what kind of conferences you want to speak at. Uh, well, I guess it'll be JavaScript now. So I used to speak a lot in the .NET space. And okay. then when I was switching to Ruby, I was like, well, this is going to be weird because um, like, I'm a newbie in Ruby. So how am I going to start speaking in Ruby? Uh, and then I kind of like bridged over by talking about JavaScript. And then once I got into the Ruby world, I mostly did JavaScript. So the last talks I gave, which are pretty old at this point, but they were like on TDD and JavaScript and Backbone and Marionette. So are you all ready for picks? One more thing. I think in 2016, we should strive to make the podcast way more awesome. How? Uh, I've been thinking about it. I haven't had ideas yet. <laughs> Soundboard. <laughs> it would Ooh. start with me coming oh. on time. Or Comcast allowing me to use Skype. Come on, Comcast. <laughs> so context is that your as that work internet on this floor it does on the floor without the noise it does. I don't know why. I constantly have, I had to restart my computer uh, to get onto Skype, but on my floor it's it's fine. I don't know. I don't know. All right, picks. I'll go first. My pick. Javon uh, mentioned buying a drill over break, uh, and I have the same drill. It's a DeWalt 20-volt max. And the 20-volt max batteries, they work in a bunch of different tools that DeWalt makes. My tool is not, my, my pick is not the specific tool, but just uh, I got uh, over the weekend a oscillating tool. So what it is, it's like a, it looks like a drill, but instead of like pointing down from where your finger is, it points like straight up. And you can put these different attachments on it. So it comes, the one that I got came with uh, two blades, one for cutting wood, one for cutting wood with nails in it. Uh, and then I got a scraper blade and you can all get all kinds of different attachments for it. You can do um, sanding with it. Um, you can do grout removal. You do all these like really handy things that I didn't know that like I've gotten done before, but usually it's like a lot of like manual labor. And this just like you push a button if you're scraping up like glue or something stuck to something, it just makes it very, very easy work. Uh, so my pick is an oscillating tool, but I will post a specific one. And you can buy them either corded or, or cordless, but I thought it was uh, pretty nifty. Pam, do you have a pick? So I was I'm trying to thinking of a thing that I've learned lately. And um, I've learned a bit about 
SNI, which is server name indication. So I'm going to pick the blog post that I use to figure out what the flip SNI is. But basically, it solves the problem no, of, no. do you all know what SNI is? It's a bit more sysadmin-y. So, um, so the way that SSL or TLS really works is by associating an IP address with a name. But what if you have an IP address that you want to associate with multiple names? So that's what SNI solves. Because if you, let's say you have a failover and you need to fail over to another server and you want to, you know, um, obfuscate that from the end user, like they don't have to care that you failed over, your SSL is going to break because you went, you're using a name for an IP address where the certs don't match. So SNI is a technology that lets you do that. And this is an interesting article about, you know, can you use SNI in production? And the answer is eh, maybe kind of. Um, there's some problems with some legacy Java and unfortunately also with some browser handshakes. But it's, it's interesting uh, and it's just many stuff I've been learning. And Gervon, do you have a pick? Yeah. Um, so my music pick is a song called Fiesta uh, by an artist called Bomba Estero, I think it's called, the person. Uh, it's a really good song. Adds a little flavor to your life. Uh, and my other pick is a font that I discovered over Brick uh, called Fura Code. Uh, and, uh, it's a nice uh, font, but it has a, uh, I forget the term, but it's programming characters. So if you do like colon equal sign, it will sort of put them, it'll, it'll have a, cra- a character for colon equal. Is it so ligatures? it'll look like, a, yeah, ligatures. Um, so you can distinguish these. Uh, characters clearly in your editor uh the one thing i found is they don't work in, in iterm uh and i don't think some of them work in emacs so that was a little disappointing but there are issues in iterm to make these types of fonts work so i'm excited for that so my pick is going to be not watching making a murder you might be seeing everybody talking about it in social media and if you haven't watched it yet i would i would pick not watching it you suggest not watching it? yeah it's uh, have any of you all watched it no, I just heard it's really good. No, I, I've, I've, act- I've actively not watched it, in fact, so I might be on your team. Yes, it's like a car crash. Like I, you know, we talk about binge watching, but I got to episode four, which I think is like the uh, dropping point of the roller coaster, and it is just absolutely, utterly insane. And I pretty much consumed the next six hours of my free time. Like I stayed up way later. Like I've never actually literally probably watched things while I was still tired that I was so obsessed with. And I was definitely obsessed and I got over it. And then I was obsessed reading all the like background on it. And then I realized I do not feel better about myself for having gone through this ridiculous thing, like watching a car crash. Like you're going to stare at it, but you're going to think I would have rather not seen it. So are you saying not to watch it so I can watch it or... (laughs) Like, hey, there's is a car crash. Is this reverse psychology? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably good for people to have a good sense of like how messed up the legal system is. But um, if you already know that and you uh, don't want to feel bad, I'd suggest not watching it. It's like I was watching uh, the heroin documentary on HBO. Everyone should watch it. And the one person said, oh, the doctor told me I shouldn't crush it and sniff it. Or I shouldn't <laughs> scratch it and sniff it or inhale it. It's like, what does the doctor expect me to do? I'm going to do it. I'm like, no, you're not <laughs> The doctor says don't inhale the pill. You shouldn't do it. Anyway. So my, my pick instead, there's actually a, a pretty interesting uh, documentary about like legal marijuana in Denver and this like couple. So if you like reality TV, it was actually pretty interesting. Like a lot of things you wouldn't think that people have to go through. Like 
they can't put their money in a bank because like marijuana is still illegal federally. So the feds could seize it. So it's like an entire cash business. So then they have concerns of like having to drop off a few hundred thousand dollars to the IRS in cash. <laughs> Uh, lots of just crazy stuff. I think it's like five episodes, five or six episodes. Pretty short. It was pretty fun watch. And that's it. So show notes are at turning.cool slash 74. Follow us on Twitter at turncool. And I'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.